Welcome to Open-Minded Healing, where the topic is alternative health. We will be having conversations with the practitioners that offer a variety of alternative healing modalities, as well as everyday people who have recovered their health outside of the MD's office. Join us with an open mind for conversations that may provide solutions to healing your own body on a mental, physical, and spiritual level. I'm Marla Miller. Let's begin. Welcome to Open-Minded Healing. I'm your host, Marla Miller, and today we're joined by Dr. David Minkoff to talk about how you can heal from Lyme disease. But before we begin that conversation, I want to share some of Dr. Minkoff's many credentials and accomplishments. He has over 40 years of experience as a leading physician and founded LifeWorks Wellness Center, which is now one of the largest alternative medicine clinics in the U.S., Dr. Minkop also founded Body Health, which is a nutrition company offering a range of dietary supplements to the public and practitioners. His diverse background includes being a board-certified pediatrician, a fellow in infectious diseases, an ER physician, and a co-director of a neonatal intensive care unit. And to top it all off, by the time he turned 71, Dr. Minkoff completed his 43rd full Ironman triathlon. Welcome, Dr. Minkoff. Hi, Marlon. Good to have you here. I'm excited to talk about Lyme disease and all the ways that you tackle that health issue that a lot of people out there have and don't know how to go about healing from it. First of all, with Lyme disease, why does it go undiagnosed in so many cases for so long? I think the main problem is that the Lyme organism isn't one organism. It's a family of organisms. And the infection is transferred by an insect bite. And classically, it's a tick, but there's reports of cases from mosquitoes carrying Lyme. So other biting insects can cause it. The classic symptom is a bullseye rash with a flu syndrome. But many people who get infected don't get a bullseye rash. And they may have a flu syndrome, but they don't see a tick bite or a bite and they don't associate it with this could be Lyme. Even in areas where there's lots of ticks, you know, New York, Connecticut, these areas are highly infested with ticks, and yet bullseye rashes are rather rare. If someone goes to the doctor and says, I don't feel good and my joints hurt and I've got a bullseye rash, well, the doctor will reach for his prescription pad and give them some doxycycline for two weeks. And that can be effective therapy and eradicate the infection before it really has gotten into the system. When the ticker mosquito bites the other living thing, whatever was carrying the Lyme, it can pick up other organisms from the blood. And then those organisms are in the mouth. And then when that tick or mosquito bites the person, they share the contents of their mouth with the other person. And so there's about probably eight or 10 common bugs that are in this Lyme category that when we test for them, they're often there too. So you're talking about like Bartonella, Babesia? Bartonella, Babesia, Rickettsia, Spirochita, and these often go together. And Babesia is not a bacteria. It's an amoeboid type parasite. And the usual antibiotics that are given for Lyme don't cover it. And probably 90% of the cases that we see have Babesia. So a sort of, you have Lyme, it must be Borrelia, which is the Lyme agent. 
and I'm going to give you two weeks of doxycycline or six months of IV rocephin or whatever the doctor is treating, he's probably only treating partially the infectious agents. And so the treatment won't be effective. The other part of this is that most of the people who get Lyme have other underlying factors that cause them to have reduced immunity. And if you try to just treat the Lyme with an antibiotic and you don't treat the underlying problems, you know, parasites and low-grade viral infections and root canal teeth and heavy metal toxicity and glyphosate toxicity and leaky gut, all these other things are always there with it in the sick people. Yeah. And so you don't fix them if you don't fix that stuff. The other problem with this is the diagnostic part. I was an infectious disease doctor. I did specialty training in infectious disease, a fellowship, and I was a hospital infection control officer. So I'm very familiar with antibiotics and antibiotics are a beautiful thing if they're used for the right problem. So someone has pneumonia, bacterial pneumonia, and you give them antibiotics, you can save their life. Or someone has sepsis or someone has a severe wound infection. Well, antibiotics are the best thing to do. But for Lyme disease, the success rate for antibiotics is not very good. And our average patient with Lyme has seen 13 doctors unsuccessfully. Yeah. And the doctors aren't stupid, but they have a sort of very rote approach to this thing. And you can't have a road approach to this thing. You have to really take this patient as a whole. And if they have a selenium deficiency or zinc deficiency or fatty acid deficiency or these other things, and they have a leaky gut and they have a gluten allergy that you don't know about and they have suppressed immunity, well, your antibiotics aren't going to be effective. And then if your antibiotic is targeting one or two organisms, but the person has a couple more, then they're not going to be effective either. The other part of this, which is important, is that these organisms have an ability to change their surface proteins, their surface antigens. So if you're trying to make a diagnosis with an antibody against Borrelia and you go to LabCorp or Quest, yeah. there's a fairly good chance it's going to be negative because that bacteria has changed its surface proteins and it doesn't react. Or the antibodies that they're looking for aren't found. Now, is this where the biofilm comes in? These things produce biofilms. They manufacture biofilms. And we look at people's blood on a microscope and we can see the biofilms. And so these organisms are hiding in the biofilms. They're hiding inside cells. They're hiding in fibroblasts. And you may not even make an immune response if the organisms are hiding and they're not available for the immune system to see. And so a lot of these people test negative. I saw a girl yesterday. She flew here. She lives in Los Angeles. And she has been carrying around a diagnosis of MS. So she's got numbness of her limbs and weakness and brain fog. And she's been to, I don't know, three, four different neurologists and some infectious disease specialists. They did do a test for Lyme, for Borrelia. It was negative, And they said, you don't have Lyme disease. And what they wanted to do is take the unusual MS drugs, which she didn't tolerate. So she ended up coming to us and I saw her and I looked at her blood with her and examined her. And it was obvious to me, this is very much going to be a Lyme case. We saw the Borrelia on the microscope. We see them swimming around and we see the Babesia on the microscope. They're swimming around. And so 
When I was doing my infectious disease training back in the early 80s, I was at UC San Diego, which at the time was one of the best infectious disease departments in the country. And the senior guy, every day we would make lab rounds with him and we would look at all the blood cultures. And if we had someone at that time that was suspected of having syphilis, like late syphilis, we would look at their blood under dark field because syphilis and Lyme are class of bacteria are the same. They're called spirochetes. And they have a very typical structure. And if you look at them under a microscope, you could see them. And I remember sitting in the lab at UC San Diego Hospital with him in the pathology lab, and we would put the blood smear on the microscope. And if we saw spirochetes, we weren't thinking Lyme in 1981 or 1980. We were thinking syphilis. So this is a standard medical test that's very rarely utilized by doctors, but it's an in-office test. It's very easy. It just takes a finger prick. Why is that? You know, medicine. Medicine is a cult. And if you look at all the craziness that's going on in medicine, if we don't look over there and we only hear what we're told and we only do what we're told, and the holy grail is the CDC and the FDA, well, you can look at the state of medicine. I think the United States is 29th on the list of survival in the world. We spend the most money on healthcare of any advanced country by 10 times, and we have the worst health. I know, so crazy. So if you want to be unhealthy, just do what they say. And if you want to be healthy, it's almost do the opposite of what they say because it's a cult and it's very tightly controlled and it's run by people who have vested interests in what they do and they run the government and they run media. You don't have to probe very hard to find all the outpoints. Like this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like, basically don't look there. You just do what we tell you. Medicine is law of history. This, you know, they yeah, led yeah. George Washington to death because bleeding people out was a cure in those days. And when they weren't bleeding them, they were giving them mercury and arsenic as cures, and they were killing them that way. So the history of modern medicine, except if you look at ancient herbal medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, homeopathy, where these traditions were very different, and they yeah. were healing traditions. A lot of what we're doing is using that because they're safe and they're very effective. I'm not against modern medicine. Like I said before, if there's modern therapies. If you're having a heart attack, you go to the hospital and you get your stent or your bypass or whatever it is, they could save your life. But then if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to be back there. So that's kind of what we're up against. And that's what people are up against because the infectious disease doctors that do this stuff They all know that their success rate is not very high. I have people come in, they've been seeing like the most prominent infectious disease doctor. There's a couple in New York, there's some in DC, and these people are on five different antibiotics for years and years and years. And if they start to try to stop the antibiotics, they feel worse, so they stay on them. But they're never really going to get better. Just a wrong thing. It isn't what's wrong with these people. They need help to solve the infection, but it's not antibiotic-based for most cases. That's in line with what I've heard. And as far as the testing goes, the main lab I hear of now is Igenix in California to get an accurate Lyme result. Is that the one you use as well? I, I think it's fine. I don't use it. I, it's, it's an antibody test. So I think the labs that are using PCR testing get a better chance at getting the organism. Okay. And um, you have to set the patient up for a PCR test. Like they need to have a deep tissue massage. These guys hide, you know, these. Oh, okay. These hide. So there is a way to bring them out. 
So the way yeah, you string we'll them out. Yeah, put somebody on a, on a very intense vibrator plate for 15 minutes and have them drink a big glass of water. So we're collecting their urine for PCR tests. Then you're going to get it. If they've just been laid on their couch for five years, they may not, on a urine test, show the antigens that we're looking for. So they have to be set up properly. But then when we examine them and we use energetic testing too, which we usually find it on and then verify it with the PCR testing, then you know they got it. And then we're looking at their blood too. And oftentimes, not 100% of the time, but you can see it on there. So it's like, we have a solid diagnosis here. Yeah. What is the energetic testing you're talking about? Like muscle testing or... It's a kind of muscle testing called autonomic response testing. Okay. And I have about a dozen different Lyme samples of Lyme organisms that we can test the body for them. And about 99.9% of the time, if I get it on that, I'm going to see evidence in the blood when I look at it. And I'm going to see evidence on PCR tests almost 100% of the time. It's really rare that we don't match it up. All right. So what would you say to people out there who aren't sure what they have? They're not sure, or maybe they haven't even considered Lyme. What are some of the main symptoms you see? I know it can be a variety, but what are some of the more common ones you see in people? Well, people have fatigue. They have fibromyalgia. They have pain. They have brain fog. They have depression. They have problems sleeping. They have mood disorders. They have abdominal pain. And a lot of times people have neurological symptoms. They have tingling, they have burning, they have loss of muscle strength, they have loss of coordination. So when you start seeing this picture of a complex symptom illness, you've got to think Lyme. It's one of, it's the great masquerader. And it can look like almost anything, especially when you see all the neurological stuff. Virtually, it isn't 100%, but 99% of people who are diagnosed with autoimmune disease so they have rheumatoid arthritis, or they have Sjogren's, or they have ulcerative colitis, or they have MS. These are all autoimmune conditions. Yeah. Just about all of them have Lyme. They have Lyme. Interesting. Autoimmune runs in our family. I mean, a number of us have some autoimmune condition. We did live in Connecticut and New Jersey, but I did get tested to make sure because I had heard that as well. And especially like rheumatoid arthritis. The diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis is a symptom complex, and then it's an antibody in the blood or a positive rheumatoid. But it doesn't tell you why it's causing it. I mean, the body is very smart and very efficient, and it only produces these things because it's trying to solve a problem. And what we find is that if we have people that come in with a positive ANA or positive rheumatoid factor, and we treat them successfully for Lyme, and their symptoms go away, and their arthritis and their rashes or whatever the, wherever the autoimmunity was, that stuff starts to go away. And we have plenty of patients where they had a very high a positive ANA or rheumatoid factor. And nine to 12 months after we successfully treat them, those go away. The body doesn't make those antibodies anymore because the underlying cause was an infection, among other things that we're looking for. And when those things are treated, the body stops making those antibodies because it's only doing it because it's trying to solve a problem. Yeah. If you see the diagnostics that the body is really intelligent, and it doesn't do anything for nothing. Yeah. And if you find the right thing, then the marker goes away because the body's not going to keep making it if it has no reason. That's very it's, interesting. It's not taught that way. It's you have a rheumatoid factor and you have arthritis. Well, that means that you need prednisone, methyltrexate, Remicade, you know, name your drug. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes if someone is in a severe condition, the medication might be a temporary emergency method to try to get this person through while you figure out what's needed to get them actually better. And usually that's what's resorted to with rheumatologists or people who are treating these diseases is they're trying to get comfort to the patient, which I don't fault the doctor for at all. Oh, I fault them for not very clever diagnostics because you do an antibody test, which looks at 50 different autoantibodies to various tissues. And then you come up with mixed connective tissue disease or whatever the thing is. Well, fine, but that isn't what's wrong with the person. What's wrong with the person is that they didn't have that two years ago. They didn't have any of it. This isn't genetic, but something occurred which gave them this. And our duty as medical doctors or healthcare practitioners is to find what that causes. You got something in you that's not supposed to be there. And it might include heavy metals or parasites or these other things. But when we figure that out, you ought to be able to go back to the way you were before, which is you weren't sick and you felt fine. It isn't that you have a gene for this. And, you know, for 40 years, you've had that gene, but the gene was never active. Yeah. So you look for the triggers. They're the causative agents. It's usually either some kind of toxin or it's usually both toxins and infections. And you find the infections and you find the toxins and you figure out a way how to relieve the body of those things. And then you have to make sure because all these people have multiple nutritional deficiencies. They're amino acid deficient. They're essential fatty acid deficient. They're mineral deficient. And you got to get those back into the system somehow. They all have bad guts, 100%. And you got to fix their gut and you got to get them off American food. You've got to get them on organic food and foods that agree with their body. So we do sort of an elimination, sort of a paleo autoimmune diet, you know, meat, fish, eggs, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, no legumes, no dairy, no nightshades, no grains. And as of like a six to eight week, let's see how you do on this. And almost everybody does very well. Their constipation gets better and their stomach aches get better. I saw a guy today, he's got prostate cancer and we're treating him for prostate cancer. But I said, I want you on an organic paleo diet. And I saw him today. He's about halfway through his treatments. And he said, I feel too good. My chronic eczema that I've had for 40 years is gone. And my joints don't hurt. And I'm actually sleeping deeply. And I've got energy. And I've had to wean down on my blood pressure medicine because my blood pressure is now in normal. And my vision is clear. Like I don't need my reading glasses anymore. I can see. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I said, we're just getting your body into what its normal state is because between the detoxification and the immune boosting, you're getting better. Most people don't know what it feels like to feel good. They're so used to feeling bad, you become immune to it. You just think that's the way you feel. So it's like a miracle when you feel good. Yeah. I remember a book when I was in high school. The title of the book was Bend Down So Long, It Looks Like Up to Me. That's the condition they're in. Exactly. Well, I love that story you just told. It shows the power of doing these things, of the proper foods to nourish your body and to take care of those deficiencies. So many people, like you said, are deficient at well in so many different things. Especially also I hear of like B vitamins is another big one and vitamin D. When people have autoimmune and things like that. See, this stuff is measurable. There's a big battery lab tests on people. You can measure all this stuff. And then you can see, you know, there's 84 nutrients that are needed by the body. You can measure every one of them. 
and you can see where that's at. And then we find efficiencies all over the place and you can replace it. And when you start replacing it, you know, the buy is a machine. It's made up of specific components that have to be there. And if they're not there, it doesn't work right. Everything works synergistically. Yeah, you need them all. So if someone comes in with Lyme, first you test them, you do your PCR test and the other two tests you mentioned, and then you're looking at their diet and changing that up to all organic and everything that you mentioned there. Once you find out they do, in fact, have Lyme, what other healing modalities are you using with them? We have some very good products that are herbal-based that will kill the Lyme organisms. So we put them on those. We use homeopathics against the Lyme organisms. All these people have bad guts, okay? They have bad bacteria. They don't have enough good bacteria. They've got leaky membranes. And a lot of people have parasites. So we go in that direction too. We got to clean up their gut so that their gut is healthy. Many of these people, because they're immune stressed or immune suppressed, have reactivated viruses in their body. So Epstein-Barr or herpes type 6 or mycoplasma. So we also screen for these things because we can use herbal or homeopathic remedies to attack these things too and get them to go back to sleep. And then one of the mainstays of treatment is ozone. So ozone is oxygen. Now oxygen comes in basically two forms. The oxygen we breathe is two oxygens together. So it's O2. When we breathe in the O2, it goes into our cells, and our cells use that O2 for a couple of different reasons. One is so that we can make energy. The second one is that our white blood cells, our immune cells, are able to take that O2 and turn it into two different active antibiotic antiviral substances. One is H2O2, which is peroxide. So they can add a hydrogen to O2 and make H2O2. And they can make peroxide to kill bacteria. So you get a white blood cell, it engulfs a Lyme bacteria. It will try to kill it with H2O2. Or it will take the O2, add another O, another oxygen, make O3. And O3 is ozone. Okay. And it can make, our bodies make this stuff. This is natural, normal stuff. So we are able to take O2 in our IV room and put it through a specialized generator. It's called an ozone generator. And it takes O2 and it makes O3 out of it. So it's a gas and we can take out someone's blood. We can add the gas to the blood. It's vein blood. So the vein blood comes out, it's dark. Add the O3 to it. And that blood turns bright red because now you've super saturated it with ozone, a form of oxygen. And then you can put that blood back into them. And then it changes from ozone to, to ozonides, these chemicals, and they kill Lyme. They also dissolve biofilms. Oh. So you can unroof these guys. You can expose them. Yeah, very and powerful. Your, your other methodologies can help. So that's standard. We also give them hyperbaric oxygen. We want to flood their body with oxygen. So they get in a machine where we can, you know, it's an equivalent of about a 30-foot dive. It's oxygen under pressure, so they're breathing 100% oxygen, and their body's getting saturated with oxygen. And with oxygen, their bodies start to heal. Because one of the biggest deficits with this is that they don't circulate well. You know, the blood gets thick. They can't get blood to their brain or blood to their extremities. And when you boost the oxygen level, then those things get oxygen, and then they, they start to brighten up. There's another therapy that we're using, which is called Ibu. And Ibu is brand new in the U.S. We were the fifth clinic to get one. There's a few more now. 
but it's a way to actually put an IV in one arm, run it through what is the equivalent of a dialysis machine. So the blood gets filtered. Oh. And then after it goes through the filter, ozone is added to the blood, and then the blood goes back into the other arm. And so you circulate their blood for an hour, and you filter all the junky stuff out of it. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So when you talked about the ozone therapy, not the hyperbaric chamber, but the ozone therapy, I'm trying to visualize what this looks like and how comfortable or uncomfortable this process is. Oh, it's not uncomfortable at all. I mean, you get an IV put in your arm and you're given something so that your blood doesn't clot, heparin, and the blood runs out of your arm into an an IV bag that's empty. And the bag is sitting on a low stool. So it's below the level of your heart. All right. Eventually, 250 cc's of blood runs into the bag. The ozone gas is drawn up in a syringe and 250 cc's of ozone gas is injected into the bag with the blood. It's mixed. That's where the blood turns bright red. That IV bag then is hung up on an IV pole and it just runs right back into you. It's your blood. It was out of your body for about 15 minutes and then it runs right back into your body. Ozone turns on your antioxidant enzymes. It ramps up glutathione, your antioxidant status. It detoxifies because ozone will bind with heavy metals and chemicals and impurities and it kills bad guys. And in normal people, because we get a lot of athletes that get ozone treatments, it's a performance enhancer because when mitochondria are exposed to ozone, it sort of does a little cleaning job on them and a reset job and they start to work better. So it's a brilliant therapy. We have done upwards of 75,000 ozone treatments over the last 10 years. Wow. Now one person has had a serious reaction. So it's very, very safe, very effective. I'm not sick and I get ozone treatments because I'm an athlete and I compete and helps me and it keeps my immune system. So you're talking about the ozone therapy. How is the hyperbaric oxygen chamber? So, you know, we're trying to like expose the body in different ways because some things work better in some person than another and we don't know what. And usually people are coming to our clinic for a couple of months. So we're going to work them over so that we can get them in and out of there as fast as we can because they're away from work or they're away from their family, you know, and they're renting apartment someplace. So we found that this combination, there's another thing called a, a HOCAD. It's a, it's a steam sauna with ozone. This thing looks like a space capsule. So you get in it and the thing closes, your head's out, and then you get a mixture of carbon dioxide and ozone and you breathe 100% oxygen and you sweat. And you look at the bottom of the thing after the first couple of treatments, you see all this black stuff that comes out of people. And it's a, it's a super way to detoxify. So is that a good way to detox from heavy metals? I know sometimes that can be a long process, right, of getting rid of heavy metals. It it detoxes whatever's available. I don't usually detox heavy metals, but Lyme is the primary problem. Yeah. I don't usually do them at the same time because sometimes it can be too much for someone. Once that's better, then we'll transition to a different program. So as far as Lyme specifically, using the hyperbaric oxygen chamber as well as the ozone therapy. And then you said that third new one. What was that called again? Hoquette. And there was a fourth thing where you take the blood and then it comes back. That's the IV dose. Oh, okay. I thought you said something that you just got that was a new thing. Oh, the other thing is this EBU. EBU, okay. E-E-O. Oh, okay. And how is that different from the intravenous thing you described with the ozone therapy? It's stronger. 
And I mean, you're really cleaning the blood at the same time because there's a filter in this thing and you run somebody through this and then when they're done, there's a collection bottle, which in people who are very toxic, you get a lot of stuff collected. Like a healthy person, you'll collect maybe 150, 200 cc's of this fluid. But in sick people, you might get two liters. Okay. And then when they're done with the treatment, we show them the filter. You can open the thing up and show them the filter and you can see fungal residues and chemical residues and vaccine residues in the filter. Wow. And this was getting filtered out. So some people in the middle of their first or second treatment will be like, you know, yeah. I'm not crazy after all. There, Something is wrong with me. Well, now, as far as the comfort of that procedure, so you described the other one perfectly, the IV ozone therapy one. But this one, how is it different? You got to sit still for an hour. Okay. That's all. You sit in a lounge chair. So it's two different IVs, one in each arm. Well, one's going out and one's going back in. Okay. And it goes to the machine and it doesn't hurt. You just have to sit there and there's a technician, there's a nurse that's there. She can okay. wipe your forehead if you want or... Okay. We can tell I have low tolerance for any kind of pain. That's why I'm asking. Not that I'm going to get that done, but now people out there can understand it's not a horrible thing to get done. So... As far as Lyme goes, I didn't know that last one in particular even existed. So that's amazing. And is there anything else that you add to that treatment plan? Well, they get pulse magnetic field treatments. They get lymphatic massage treatments. I mean, I have a candy store of therapies in our clinic. We have 75 employees and a lot of different modalities depending on the patient. Some patients, their brains just aren't working. They can't remember or they're very depressed or they can't sleep or they're so brain fogged out they can't even follow a movie. So we have other therapy called IASIS. It's a way to sort of activate the neurons so that they can get detoxified. So some people get that. Some people need lymphatic massage. It's like a suit that they're put in and the thing sort of ramps up the pressure and sort of milks their tissues from the toxins that are in there. A lot of people, we have them get to colonics. They they think that having a bowel movement every three or four days is normal. That just isn't normal. If you're not going every day or a couple times a day, you're backed up. And so sometimes they'll see a colon therapist twice a week till they actually get unpacked. Yeah. And they're getting rid of their waste because if the waste isn't going out and it's going in, then it's poisoning them. That's what's wrong with them. So these are all very important parts of this that you can sort of clean them up, so to speak. The basic unit of the body is an individual cell. Now, if that cell is full of heavy metals and chemicals and pesticides, and it's deficient in vitamin D and selenium and whatever, and it's got a few Lyme guys living inside of it, Mm. its function isn't going to be very good. Now, there's a hundred trillion of those in an average size adult body. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And what's got to happen is you got to unload those guys. And some people it's in their heart or their liver or their brain as a concentration area. Some people it's more in their muscles. We can help unburden them of their toxic load and their infectious load. And these cells start to come back to life. And when they come back to life, you see the function goes in. The guy today told me, I can see again. His blood pressure goes down. His eczema goes away. Why did he have eczema? It wasn't a cortisone cream deficiency. It was these cells were toxic. He said, I've had this for 40 years. And in six weeks, he's like a new guy. So So, do you find the same thing is helpful for Lyme as it is for autoimmune? 
Do you use the same protocol, essentially? Well, or immune has a cause. The body is making these antibodies, trying to solve a problem. A very simple way to look at it is that if this is a cell, it's one of my cells. And on the surface of my cells, just like with your cells, there is a unique protein signature code. And let's just say it's two fingers. Now, these immune cells are circulating around and they see a cell and they say, he's okay. He's got the code. Okay. Yeah. No. If these two things got damaged by lead or mercury, and now this one looks like that. Yeah. Don't mean to give you the finger. Let's <laughs> like that. Or there's plastic chemical residues sitting on this one. The immune system looks at your thyroid and inner lining of your colon brain and says, that's not the right thing. And that shouldn't be there. And my job is to kill that thing. That's autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. That's autoimmune disease. Well, if you can fix that, the immune cells are going to stop making those antibodies to kill it. And then the autoimmune disease isn't there anymore because it wasn't a disease in the first place. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So for clients that come in, what is the length of time in order for them to heal? How long does that typically take to heal from Lyme using all the techniques you're using? Usually I tell people two to four months. Is that in any case, whether they've had it for a year or they've had it for five years or eight years? It's not going to happen in a week. Yeah. It's not going to happen in two weeks. And it's probably not going to happen in a month. You know, if they're sick and they're symptomatic enough where they've been looking and they've seen a lot of doctors, if someone got bit by a tick yesterday and they have a bullseye rash, I would give them 10 days or 20 days of doxycycline. They won't come to the clinic. They don't have to do the whole thing because it will handle it. But we're not seeing those type of patients. Yeah. And most of the patients that we're seeing, they're really undiagnosed and they have neurological disease or they have autoimmune disease or chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, that sort of category. And it takes a little while. Would you be able to help someone that has had Lyme for years and years? I had a, a gentleman, he's a decorated general. He brought his wife in because she couldn't remember him or know him. They're both 92 years old. Oh. And they had gotten married when they were 17 years old. She would not let him in the marital bed because uh-huh. she didn't recognize him. Okay. Wow. And her overall health was very good. She didn't have any cardiac problems. She didn't have any orthopedic problems. She just couldn't remember anything. Yeah. So she did this program for about two and a half months. And one day on a recheck visit, she brought in her photo albums and she was telling me all the people in the thing. And on the first day, I asked her to count to 10 and she couldn't count to 10. So I said, hey, can you count to 10? And she counted up to 100. And she knew everyone's name in the clinic. All the people that had worked with her, she knew their name. And she also knew her husband. And so it settled that problem. Oh, my gosh. Like he could sleep in the same bed with her. Uh, Well, he must have been absolutely thrilled. Not only let him in the bed, but even just recognize him. So he said, then, well, can you help me? Well, what do you need? He said, well, I've got macular degeneration and I love to play golf. And my golf partner is my 72-year-old son. And I'm going to a retinal specialist and they're injecting my eye with this stuff called Abastin to try to help me with my macular degeneration, but it's getting worse. I said, well, we usually do very well with macular degeneration. Like ozone is very good therapy for macular degeneration. Oh. So I said, come on in. And he had high levels of lead and some other stuff. So we did the whole program on him. And he also had problems with being, he could only walk about 100 yards and then his calves would freeze up. 
because his peripheral circulation wasn't very good. Oh. Yeah, well, we did some what's called chelation, where we got the heavy metals out and we helped open up his circulation. And we worked on him for, I think, two or three months. And he brought the new eye chart in because he had been to the ophthalmologist to get a recheck. And it was reduced by 50%. He could read two lines better than he did before. That is awesome. He goes like this to me and he says, I'm playing golf again. And he said, I can walk a mile now without my legs freezing up. So... These things are changeable in most people. And I'm very optimistic. And, you know, we don't, we're about 85%. It's not 100%. Sometimes things just don't change. It sounds like some pretty big changes, though. Yeah. So maybe, do you have one last success story of someone that came in with Lyme and how it changed their life after yeah, coming to your I clinic? Yeah, a fun one. So this kid is 16 years old. He lives in Texas. He'd been through a bunch of Lyme therapy. His mother dragged him into our office against his will. His main symptom is super intense anxiety. So much anxiety that he can't hardly even live in his own skin. And he'd been to psychiatrists and they tried various medications on him, which he said just made him feel worse. And he had basically given up. When he first came in, he had gone with sort of a gothic look. So his hair was dyed black. He had piercings everywhere. And the first time I saw him, he wouldn't even look at me. You know, he's just so sullen. And his mother's telling me the story. And I didn't finish the initial visit. So I had to have him come back the next day. And he was excited to show me that overnight, he had talked his mom into going to a tattoo parlor. And on his calf, he had a tattoo that was gigantic. It filled the whole calf. And it was a picture of an engorged tick. Oh, my gosh. Swollen engorged. Oh, there was a Bowie knife stuck through the tick with blood splurting. So I looked at his mother and I said, what did you do? Like, are you crazy? This kid is toxic. Yeah. Now the tattoo inks are heavy metals. You know, it's lead and arsenic. Oh. They're poisons. And he got a gigantic new dose. She says, well, I didn't know. She says, I got one too. She's got an eagle all across the top of her breasts. So I'm like, okay, guys, no more of this. Okay, so I ran out his program and I scheduled to see him in about six weeks. After about five weeks, one of the nurses comes in to say, hey, Jimmy, the kid from Texas, you got to see him. I said, is there a problem? She said, yeah, there's a real problem. So I said, well, bring him in. I was between patients and she brings him in and she's got a smile on her face. And I look at him and he's washed the dye out of his hair. He's taken all the earrings out and he's got a regular T-shirt on and flip-flops. And I said, Jimmy, what's happening? He said, I woke this morning and I looked in the mirror and I thought, who is that guy? And my anxiety, it lifted. It lifted. I don't feel that way. So, Jimmy, what do you want to do? He said, well, I just turned 16. I want to get my driver's license. I said, well, I think it's probably time you went home and you go get your driver's license. It was Lyme. It was Lyme. Uh, that's amazing that it affected his yeah. mental state in yeah. such a massive way like that. That's incredible. So it's a masquerader. And I really think that a great majority of people who walk around and seek help for their mental symptoms, Mm -hmm. they have a toxic infected brain and you can pour all the Prozac in the world you want on that thing. And it's not going to do anybody any good except make them worse. Yeah. And like I said earlier, a lot of the mental symptoms, the depressions, anxieties, hopelessnesses, all this stuff, or like this kid with just incapacitating anxiety. It's not mental illness. Yeah. It's not a bad home. It's the 
guy's toxic or he's infected and you can help them and then they get better. Well, I'm so glad to hear all of this. And I'm sure people listening are happy to know as well that there's hope for Lyme. You know, there's hope to heal from Lyme completely. If if people go to doctors to get diagnoses and they've been to a doctor or two and the doctor isn't coming to a logical conclusion, if the treatment is a drug that is symptom only related, and I include antibiotics in that, not always, but that they have to seek out a healthcare practitioner who is thinking differently. And it might be a chiropractor or a naturopath or a certified nutritionist or an MD do there are more and more guys and gals that are being trained in these things where they are looking at the very things that i'm talking about and they can really help people and that's where you should go now the problem with that stuff is it's not insurance covered and if you think that you're going to keep your health with insurance payments you're not because they don't pay so you save up stop going to starbucks and you spend your money on organic food and home saunas, and you save it up so that you can go to a clinic because these clinics are going to be a cash thing. It's going to be you and the doctor, and they're going to charge you for whatever it is. You can then really get real help. Yeah. And and you have to also be willing. You can't eat fast food. You have to eat organic whole foods, and you have to make sure you get enough sleep, and you have to get outside and get some sunshine, and you have to get away from the negative people in your life. This isn't a one-trick pony. This is a lifestyle. Yes. You have to adopt that lifestyle and you're going to be taking a lot of pills, a lot of vitamin, mineral pills. You got to be ready to take all the pills and then you can get better. That's great. So where can people find you if they want to work with you? Where are you located? So we're in Clearwater, Florida. It's Tampa Bay. Our clinic is called LifeWorks, L-I-F-E-W-O-R-K-S, Wellness Center. If you go to LifeWorksWellnessCenter.com, you can find our websites. There's hundreds of videos on there. If you're interested in finding out more or becoming a patient, there's a form you can fill out and one of our people will call you and answer your questions. About three quarters of the people that we see don't live in the Tampa Bay or Florida area. They come from all over the place. I got somebody here now from Taiwan and somebody else from Hawaii, somebody from the Philippines, like this woman from Pennsylvania. Uh, I saw this morning a patient from Indianapolis. So people come from all over because we have a good reputation and we really help people get well. I write a couple of newsletters, so if you're on the website and you want to subscribe to newsletters, you can. Like I said, there's a couple of hundred videos on there, so if you're interested in a topic, you can learn about the other things that we do. Okay, that's great. So if someone comes from another state or another country, do they typically get an Airbnb and stay there for a couple months? Airbnb or or there's a, a local hotel that discounts for people that come to our clinic. Or there's a guy, he's a patient, he actually used to live in in Massachusetts, and he came down for Lyme, and he got better. And he thought, you know, when people come down here, they need a clean place to stay. And so now he's renovated all these apartments, which have only plug-in Wi-Fi, they're certified mold-free, air freshener thing, there's no toxic chemicals. And so, since most people come from far, we we have a sort of a network, so we refer people to them, and then they can get places that are good to stay. That's fantastic. He's paying it forward. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this wealth of information, especially on a topic I think that is so misunderstood and hard to diagnose and hard to treat or has been hard to treat in the past. I'm so glad you brought all this information out and all these new healing modalities, you know, making people aware that they exist and there's hope to heal from Lyme. That's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. 
Thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Very nice to talk to you. Be sure and follow Open-Minded Healing so you'll get every new episode as soon as it's released each Tuesday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.